Hello, and welcome to League of Josh podcast. My name is Joshua, and I ask the questions around here. This episode was recorded on May 11th, 2021. This conversation is illuminated by the presence of Vince Luciani. This is a retrospective joke, but we'll dredge forward anyways. In this conversation, Vince and I discuss his success in the domains of personal business, retail, corporate, as well as being an award-winning public speaker. And why he would inevitably give up all of these things, choose to sell everything he owned, and move across the country to become an aspiring artist. Vince's willingness to tune into himself and take the leap of faith is something that I admire deeply within the human spirit. One's ability to see truth in themselves is often eclipsed by an unwillingness to act out their personal myth in this cosmic drama. So often are we disenchanted by the brutally inhospitable world that we find ourselves in, willing and seemingly eager to impose suffering on us at a whim. We often think of all the reasons that a grand decision may lead to our inevitable demise without acknowledging the inevitability of the demise itself. As our time in this drama ebbs, so do the decisions available to us that crown us a respectable main character in our own personal journeys. Your adventurous journey lingers in the back of your mind, nagging you as something you know to be true, but will not muster the courage to utter it, as giving something a name gives it life. Only by whispering something to yourself can you set on the path to chant it for others. Regrets held closest to the heart often stem from neglecting the heart itself, not speaking when you knew it was needed, not acting when you knew it to be true. These regrets sink their talons deep and grip tight, leaving not only the mark, but a lesson to trust yourself. I end this rant, dear listener, with a question to be pondered. It is not the often discussed, why do such a thing, but the equally essential syzygy in why not? All right, we're on. Nice. So, do you want to do you want to start off just by giving me a little bit of a recap on who you are, where you came from, your experience in public speaking, and then going from that to uh, moving across the country, a big leap of faith to become an artist. Oh man, uh, <laughs> yeah. this is the first time I've done this in a long time since the transition. So it's really it's interesting, and the the more I tell the story of like who I am, the less it matters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like as I, you know, so basically I've lived a lot of lives in this lifetime of like mm-hmm. being an athlete, being a coach, uh, working retail, working corporate, working like all these different levels. Um, but none of them really fit. Uh, so when I decided to start my own business, it was to, uh, to help, athletes understand who they are beyond what they do and so it was to look underneath the identities that we carry and that went on for about four years uh worked with um yeah worked with a lot of like athletes worked with a lot of kids which actually was my favorite level to work with um and something still wasn't right and uh i noticed uh when it started it started to hit me when um I would receive a message, like I would receive a message. Am I able to speak all in like spiritual terms here? Like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 anything you want. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Amazing. So I started to re- like I, I've been very connected um, ever since my father passed in 2017, um, and I w- was receiving these messages of like, uh, of, I'll say like of, of wisdom. And what I would do is I would go, "Ooh, I'm so excited to teach this," rather than, "Oh, I'm so excited to integrate this." So what I started to notice was that like a displacement of my energy where everything was skipping me. 
And I started to notice I was just getting exhausted. Like it, it just wasn't, it wasn't aligning. And so I realized I, um, I needed some time to, to be with myself and face the, the stuff that I haven't faced. And um, so about August of last year, well, it started July, it was my dad's birthday. That was the day that my darkness started. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was just like, my body started to change. I started, like I started, you know, sweating out of nowhere. I'd get the chills. I, you know, my ears were ringing, all these things. And then my dreams started to elevate. And um, it got to a point where it, it was basically, I was going through my own inner hell. You know, I, I was always taught that hell is a place we go to and we don't do, you know, a bad person or whatever, but it's, we all have our own inner hell. We have all have our own inner heaven, I believe. And I was going through my inner hell. And um, as I did that, it really humbled me. Um, and it really made me realize, like, I, I'm not bigger than this thing. Um, I can't, like, if I pass something on, if I pass on a message that I haven't fully integrated, it's, it's an empty sphere of words. Um, it doesn't resonate because you, as you know, like you go see a speaker, you're not even listening to what they're saying. Sometimes you just feel how they're saying it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, at the time I started to, uh, I, at the beginning of COVID, I learned how to paint first time picking up a paintbrush. And around this time, probably like July or August, I had a painting up in my place that I did. Like I drew these big canvases. <clears throat> I actually can't work a small canvas. It's just kind of, it's actually kind of funny. Um, but my friend walks in and she goes, where'd you get that? And I was like, oh, I made that. She goes, no, you didn't. I'm like, no, seriously. She goes, I'll buy it right now. How much do you want? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. Why would you want, like, you know, like I was like yeah. doubting myself. She's like, I'll give you $600 right now. And I'm like, done. Like, I'll take it. <laughs> So, uh, it just opened me up to going, okay, maybe this is my outlet for going through this, this dark time, integrating my lessons and just expressing it in that way. And, um, and as I did that, I, I leaned right in and I started to commission paintings for people. And, and I, I'm also a, an energy healer. Mm -hmm. So I would tune into their energy field and I would paint based on, <clears throat> excuse me, what they asked for. And, um, what I saw between uh, our connection and then the canvas just told a story and it was really beautiful how that how that started um, and then I leaned fully in and I, I realized like I just coaching just wasn't it for me um, mm -hmm. there was just there was more happening uh, beyond what what I was forcing myself to do and so I I, I sat with it and I was like yeah I'm, I'm oh, actually there was a day my friend um my friend from Hamilton, Richard, passed away. Um, and it was about two weeks after we went to a retreat together. And it just really hit me. Like, it just really hit me. Um, and it sat with me and I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I wasting my time trying to force this thing? Like, trying to work with athletes and trying to work with the people who I believe need it, you know, rather than just allowing these things to come. And that's when I was like, I don't want to be a coach anymore. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll always, I'll always have aspects of coaching in me. Um, but I, it's not about coaching. It's about um, embodying the lessons that I'm passed on and then passing those on. 
And uh, so it shifted into art, meditation, and energy healing. And that's where I'm at now. Killer. And so what I, so I, yeah, so I sold all my stuff in Hamilton, literally everything on Facebook Marketplace, everything. Moved out here with two, three bags and, and an instrument. Uh, came to Vancouver and then made my way to the island. And, and here I am. I love it. That's awesome. That's so cool, dude. I'm glad that you're doing that. that that's great. There's a, I, I like what you said about the integrating knowledge before you're able to actually give it to someone else or, or place it somewhere where someone else can take it. And a deep knowledge is a lot more important than a surface level knowledge. You can read as many philosophy books as you want, but until you live something, it's very difficult to actually integrate that into yourself. And there's a, there's a Zen parable that I really like where it's actually related somewhat to Vipassana meditation, which is a, a very deep form of meditation where you're taking a vow of silence. And the idea with that is that you don't, you don't bring any information out and you don't let any information leave. You're only digging deeper into your own knowledge and your own source of information. And you're trying to, to the way that they describe it is to, to do deep surgery onto yourself. Yeah. And so in that, a part of the inability to speak to others is that if people were able to speak, and this actually happened during my Vipassana was one, people would talk to each other occasionally and they would tell each other what they were experiencing. And I wasn't around for this. This is something that I found out post hoc. So I talked to someone and after the retreat finished, he was bawling his eyes out, just crying because he had talked to someone else about the experience that he was having. and. So he felt that his experience wasn't what it could have been because he asked his friend what he saw and his friend told him what he saw. Mm. And, then, and then he desired that, he wanted that. So then that took away from his experience. And, and the, the Zen parable is that you don't, you don't pick all the fruit off of a tree. And if you are a tree, you don't let people pick the fruit off of you. You wait until you grow more and then you can actually have more fruit to harvest for people while keeping it for yourself. And so I really love that, what you said. That's, that's very, very nice. I, I'm curious as to not only the emotional response, but your physical response to, quote unquote, not doing what felt right. That, that thing that seemed to be a slow burning cord in the back of your mind where you realized this isn't it, this isn't it. You went through, as you said, you went through corporate, retail, coaching, athletics, and every single time you realize this isn't it, this isn't it. How do you convince yourself to take a leap of faith in which you don't really know what's next, but you know that what you're doing right now isn't it. I think, no, I don't think I know for me, the, that what you just asked is the experience of life. It's mm -hmm. like believing that there's something greater than me that will hold me when I'm willing to take a risk that will hold me when I'm willing to let go of everything I've been attached to. And I've always been terrified of that unknowingly. Like I was like, Oh, I'm fearless. Like I'll, you know, I'll take care of it. Like I'm good. Like, you know, yeah, I'm not attached to this. I'm not, but like when you really, really let go, your body is like, Nope. Like we got it. Like you're attached to that. Mm -hmm. Cause you're, you're grasping for it. Right. Or not you, I am grasping for these things. Um, and that was it like there was like a 
there was like, am I willing to believe that there's something greater that will hold me on the other side of this? Because I know this isn't it for me right now. And I found um, once I took that leap, it's so funny because the ego is so funny. It's like you take the leap and then it works out and you're like, oh, I've taken the leap. I know how to surrender now. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, here's the next stage. Do you want to go on this one? And you're like, no, no, not yet. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's so funny. And um, it's beautiful though, because the more, the more I started to practice that surrender and painting is such a beautiful um, exercise for this because there's, I found that there's times I paint where I'm like trying to make it like exactly how I want it to be, how I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And then there's times where I just let go. The times I let go, it's the best fucking painting. Sorry, I shouldn't have sworn. It's no, the no, best you can painting. swear. You can swear. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. It's the best painting. It's like so beautiful. You can feel the energy. But when I try really hard, it's like something just doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. And that's where, um, that's been my lesson right now in this process of just let like letting go every time i'm trying to force something right now i'm building my website Mm -hmm. and my body's just caving in after like 10 minutes i'm like well what is this how am i gonna how am i gonna get out there how am i gonna you know like and uh i'm learning such beautiful lessons like i because my big thing right now is okay i feel really full in terms of the fruit on my tree and i want to share it and i'm like well who am i gonna help and so i've been asking like please just send me who i'm supposed to help random people come up to me in the park while I'm painting outside and they're like, hi, how are you? Like, uh, do you blah, blah, blah. Like we start chatting and then I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh shoot, maybe I can help this person. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's being sent to me rather than me reaching for it. And that's been the lesson. Um, so I don't even know if I answered your question. I went off on a tangent, but. No, that's the best way to do it. We're, we're exploring the unconscious here. That's it. I, uh, I think that you make a really cool point there about, being so full that then you can give away. I think that that's something that people don't really think about when, when you reach a certain amount of, whether it be material good or emotional enlightenment, it's something that you actually want to give away. And that was something consistent with uh, Gautama Buddha was that once he reached enlightenment, he actually wanted to give it away. He didn't want to hold on to it. And that's something we do with happiness as well. When you're as happy as you possibly could be, you actually want to give that to other people and you want to bring people in to experience that it's not it's a it's so counterintuitive to what people might think about happiness and that experience is that you actually you actually don't want to keep it you don't want to hold on to it you really do want to allow other people to come into that emotional sphere mm-hmm. yeah i i i completely agree and it's 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 such a better feeling mm-hmm. giving from that full place and um, I always look at, you know, so the infinity symbol. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the way I look at the infinity symbol is one side is giving, one side is receiving. And the, they're like pipes, right? And they fuel each other. And the idea is like, you know, sometimes some of us have blocks in receiving, which also gives us a block in giving because we're not fully tapping into the, the, middle, the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where the power is. And so the idea of the more we give, the more we push that pipe to a point where if we just keep giving, there is so much coming to us Mm -hmm. in ways that we don't even know that just clears the pipe. And then that's where the, that's where the beauty of life is. It's just giving. And um, I was, I was sharing with some of my, I run this like uh, group program online, you know, sharing with them how 
giving like especially right now and what's happening in the world giving isn't just money it's not just food it's it's literally our energy it's a smile it's you know a compliment it's you know everyone a lot of people are stressed out right now a lot of people are suffering people no not yeah there is suffering happening in the world mm-hmm. And if, if it's one small thing, if it's one small act, if it's um, a compliment, uh, an acknowledgement, anything like that's, that's what brings light into the world. You know, like I, 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 th- I, I always thought like, you know, when we're convinced what giving is, it's like, oh, you have to donate to charity or you have to do this. And those are all great things. But what about people who don't have the means to do that? Mm-hmm. and you know um in victoria there's a lot of uh, there's a there's a, a large homeless community here and i i saw this one man on the uh on the street and he had a sign that said usually you know it's like hey spare some money or some food and his sign said life is beautiful don't forget to smile and what a beautiful lesson because i was sitting there and i'm like here's a man who has nothing seemingly has nothing Mm-hmm. And he just wants to share whatever he has, whatever he has. And that currency that he's sharing is something we, every single human being on this planet has that currency and an infinite access to that currency. If they're willing to, to, to believe that. Mm-hmm. And no, not everyone has the same access to money. Not everyone has the same access to resources. Absolutely not. But we all have the same access to love. And I, I, I think it's really beautiful because I've learned to let go of the money currency and surrendering to how the abundance is going to come in, um, in other forms. Mm-hmm. And that's been, that's been a big lesson for me lately. And it's been, it's been really beautiful. Like, I there's been so many times where I'm just giving and I'm like, Oh shoot. Like, and my ego kicks in. Right. It's like, it's like, I'm giving, what am I going to receive? What am I going to receive in return for this? Or like feeling all good about myself. Cause I get, you know, but it's the practice is like giving so much that it's, and I'm speaking to myself while I'm saying this, giving so, so much that we don't even have time to think about receiving. Um, Cause I believe it is that infinity symbol is everything. You know, it's, it's, yeah. How did you start to break through that? So there's a there's an old painting that I really like, and it's called the Wheel of Samsara, Wheel of Yama, and it's mm-hmm. the the Wheel of Life and Death. I, I did a lecture on it a while ago, and it was one of my favorite parts was to psychoanalyze that painting. And in one of the lower quadrants, so it's essentially it's the the god of time and the god of death, which is one and the same, hovered over a wheel, and there are six spokes, six main spokes, and each spoke represents a part of life and the lower half are the, I would say they're either hell or purgatory, depending on where you are in the spoke. So the very bottom is hell. And then on either side of that are different types of purgatory. And one of the forms of purgatory is the realm of the Predo or the realm of the hungry ghost is the, the translation English. And in that realm, there are people that are, they have very big bellies and their throats are constricted. So they can't eat but they still hoard the food. And so there are a few different ways that you could interpret that. 
one of which I think is from an addiction perspective, which I'll be talking with a friend of mine about later. Um, but the way that I would interpret it in this conversation is that it's the amount of energy that people are able to give and receive. And there's a sense of, there's a sense of narcissism that happens within that realm because people aren't able to take in energy from others and they're holding all of their energy into themselves. And in that way, they're constricted and also full at the same time. And so that's what happens when we, we don't reciprocate energy with one another is that we become so bloated and, and pent up. And it's, it's a little bit of a paradox. You wouldn't really expect it. I think that's kind of what you were experiencing with that, where you give something and you immediately expect it to come back to you. You're always asking, what do I get? What do I get? What do I get? But it sounds, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the experience that you had is that by giving without the anticipation or expectation of reciprocation, that was actually more valuable to you than what the latter would have been, which is you hoarding things and not giving energy to others. And in that sense, you don't get energy back. And, and as you said, it's, that's kind of the block in the infinity symbol. 100%. 100%. And, I, and as you were saying that, I was thinking of like, if that person is, a, is an infinity symbol, it's like one side is so full and the other is completely closed. Mm -hmm. So it's not really infinity simple. It's just, it's just locked. It's just going back and forth like this. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, it was, it was interesting the other day I had this experience where I, <clears throat> cause that's where I'm trying to uh, uh, deprogram within myself because if you think about it, that's conditional love. It's like, I'm loving you so that I receive something in return. Mm -hmm. And if, if my, goal is to bring my heaven to earth i it's it's about un like unconditioning the conditions i i believe i uh, I've, I've taken on um and what i've learned was i was i was giving to someone and the message i received was you are you are nothing but the light that you are giving and any time that i uh believe that i am how do I even say this? Anytime that I believe that I am something else, it's just my ego. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that anytime I hold myself back from giving to someone, because we all have those thoughts. It's like you see that person who needs help and you're like, ah, no, it's going to look weird or it's going to do this or whatever, which is just our ego. But if, if everyone, if I don't want to say everyone, if I just keep giving in every opportunity that I have, I'm, I'm being the light that I am, which is not Vince, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It's, and it's such a, it's such a, uh, um, a, a funny thing to think about when we're like, what do you mean not you? Like, but the idea is like, we're all underneath. We're all the exact same element, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and the best way to practice that element is to give it. Cause it's kind of like, this is my favorite thing, you know, pay it forwards. So yeah. it's like, I, I love pay it forwards, but it's not about, this is the thing I've learned about pay it forwards is it's not about the item. It's not about the coffee. It's not about the, the, you know, buying something for, it's not about that. It's literally um, giving someone something that was not expected, which increases belief, right? And that's belief in something greater. That's belief in love, belief, whatever we want to call it. Mm -hmm. And so what we're actually paying forward is belief. Because if you think about it, how many times you hear these stories where it's like, oh my God, like 
and, and think of it, no one loses anything in pay it forward. That's the best part. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just keeps getting passed on and everyone gets the feeling, they get the thing and they get the feeling behind someone giving to them, which is God manifesting through people. Like that's, that's how I see it. And it's the best thing in the world because it's just such a small gesture. But what's really funny is we as humans, anytime somebody wants to offer us something, it's always like, well, what's the catch? Mm-hmm. I was always taught uh, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And now I'm starting to switch it to if it's too good to be true, it's probably God. Oh, I like that. Because it's, it's, it's one of those things that really made me like throw up a guard with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even if someone has, you know, uh, I don't want to say dark intentions, but uh, intentions that are not pure, that's, it's on them. It's not on, it's not on you. You know, you, we can, I can make that decision to say, no, I'm good. Or like, you know, you can, you can feel that, but giving regardless, like literally to love all, you know, that's the, that's the goal. Even if it's someone who is, yeah who doesn't, who you, or your ego believes that they don't deserve it or, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. All right. Well, to, what is it? To, to light a thousand candles with a single candle won't dissipate the flame of that one candle. Yeah. How do you think that you started to get into the more spiritual aspects of your own personal development? So when my dad passed, um, it's actually a really funny, not funny, yeah, everything's funny. Um, <coughs> my dad passed and when he was in the hospital, someone gave him a rose quartz crystal, which I didn't know anything about crystals. I was like, whatever, you know, like, I'm sure this isn't going to work. Like I was like totally skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he passed, I took the crystal and I put it in my pocket, kept it in my pocket all the time. And I had a call with a grief counselor who turned, not turned out. I knew that she was a medium, but I wasn't expecting anything. Um, and over the phone, she calls me and she goes, Hey, before we start our session, I just, um, I'm just curious. Do you have a rose quartz crystal in your pocket? And I was like, yeah, why? She goes, cause your dad wants you to know that he knows you have it. And I was like, there's nothing. I didn't post it on social media. I didn't tell anyone. I, no one knew that I took this thing. In that moment, I was like, I don't care what anyone says. It doesn't matter. I believe in this thing, whatever this thing is, something beyond what we see. Mm-hmm. And then I got my Reiki certification, uh, level one, and then it, level two, became a Reiki master. But in that time, I, I didn't realize this because at the time I was still coaching, but I started to create these modules. I started to um, see these visuals of these lessons and I didn't realize that I was, it was my form of channeling. So somebody would be speaking and your words would literally form these visuals in another place mm-hmm. that I saw while you're speaking. And uh, I got to a point where I was like, okay, something's, this is coming from somewhere else. This isn't just my brain that I've like, okay, I did this, therefore I learned this and now I'm distributing this. I'm getting guidance from somewhere else. And 
the day I realized it, I was in a high school and I was teaching these kids, you've done the exercise, the who are you exercise. And mm-hmm. I was, we were doing the exercise and this kid gets to the end and she's having a hard time coming up with the word of, of who she is. And I saw this, she said, oh, she said, I'm strong. And then I got this visual of like a needle, like steroids. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, but if you were, say you were strong and you were on these steroids, what would the steroid, what would like the needle be filled with? As like a joke, like it was kind of funny, right? Yeah. She starts laughing and she sits there and she goes, she has this realization. She's like, love. And it like, you, you, you know, when you could see like a deep understanding, like there's like the mind where it's like, yes, thank you. I, like I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It like hit her. And I realized it's like, that's what she needed to hear in that moment. And I was like, why is it that I don't, it, it's only with certain people that those visuals come through for. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was always like children or adults that have tapped into their inner child. It's like people who are just open. Yeah. You know? Um, but then I started to embrace it when I started to, uh, uh, I would take mushrooms in ceremony. Uh, I did ayahuasca. Um, and those were great gifts for me. Um, I don't believe I'll, I'll be doing, I, I, it's not something that I wish to do again. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's right now. I don't know, but it really, it broke open um my consciousness because i i didn't realize how closed i actually was um and what what was your experience with that what makes you say that in terms of in terms of breaking open your no 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 in terms oh. of breaking open your con well that too i'm i'm very interested in that as well but what what's the thing that you felt broke open your consciousness so i i'll I never forget this uh i was dating a woman incredible woman who introduced me to mushrooms and she was, I remember we were talking about like how I was still grieving my dad, but my, my heart was so closed. Like I didn't know how to express it. And so we took them and I'll never forget it. I saw a black gate and it was my heart mm-hmm. and it was just slowly caving, caving. And then the more I would breathe into it, it cracked open and rainbow just started flying out of my heart and into my heart and I could not stop crying I could not stop and it was the first time I saw my my subconscious Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my gosh what I'm seeing is how I feel like you know when you make that connection it's like oh wait a second like that is my heart um and so I I opened up to, I really, that, that helped me surrender. Cause I, the things I started to see, I was like, okay, this is, there's something more to this. It just kept like, that's, that's what kept uh, pushing me along the journey was there's more to this because our mind keeps like, and this is what I'm learning right now at a really deep level too, is our mind wants to comprehend this thing that we're all governed by, but the thing that governs us, we created us. So we can't comprehend it. Right. And the more I do that, the more I suffer. And, but when I can understand my system that I have, like my link between my consciousness, my subconscious, my unconscious, and my body, which is my subconscious, I, it becomes a more freeing experience because I now govern my own healing. 
And that's what broke open in that experience was I, I just, I was like, wow, I can heal, I can heal myself. And I didn't know what that truly meant at the time because I just, I would see these things. I would go, whoa, there's like darkness and all this. And then I had a few ceremonies where it was life shattering in the best way possible. Um, and that's when I realized I was like, okay, this is a lot deeper than anything I've ever understood. And um, everyone has their own journey. So I try not to share too much in, in detail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Don't feel pressure to it all. Yeah. But, and it's not for everyone. I know that too. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, there are people that have awakened without the medicine. There are people that have awakened with it. Um, but, you know, I always say whatever calls to you, you know, because it's, if it, if it doesn't call to you, don't force it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, that would segue into my next question is why, why do you think that you don't want to do it now? I mean, as you, as you just said, those are some, I think what anybody else who hadn't done any psychedelics before would listen to that and say, wow, what an experience. Why wouldn't you want to have that on a weekly basis? And, yeah. and there, there are other caveats that mushrooms don't seem to be addictive or psychedelics don't seem to be addictive as, as are yeah. cocaine. And they seem to have lasting effects such as um, an increase in trait openness and decreases in depression it's there's been smoking cessation it's helped with alcoholism all of these other things roland griffith is a is a um, psychopharmacologist at john hopkins that's published tons of papers on this it's very, it's all very cool stuff and i'm yeah. i'm wondering if you could give me some insight as to why you're now or why you why you feel that you wouldn't wish to do that again in the foreseeable future so as I mentioned, like everyone has their own experience with it. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I'm, I very easily can float in the clouds and feel really safe there. Um, so I'm not addicted to the substance as, a, as much as I am the experience. Mm -hmm. So I can very easily find safety and comfort in, this, in space. And when I do that, I forget to be human. And so for me, my lesson is the opposite. It's the integration. How do I bring all of this here? Because I've, I've played in the clouds for far too long, you know, and, and it's like, you know, it's almost like I believe in the rainbow bridge. I believe in, in, in the, the bridging the fifth dimension to the third dimension. And in order to do that, um, I must build a bridge of relatable materials so that people are willing to cross that bridge. But if I'm staying on that island, how would I ever welcome people over? And so this is me. This is my journey. If anyone's listening and they're like, oh, then, it, then maybe I shouldn't do it. No, it's, it's whatever calls to you. Mm -hmm. But know that everyone has their own experience within every experience. So it's yeah. like, you know, because I think in society we love to go, oh, this is, the, this, is, this is good. This is bad. Therefore, I should not. Therefore, I should. Right. But it's, it's to... to to everyone's individual experience. And I, I, I'm just at a point now where I feel like I, I can get to that point. <clears throat> I can see those visuals. I can hear those voices. I can connect to that space. If I'm willing to dive in without the medicine through meditation, through energy healing, through all those things. So I have the bridge there that is not something that um, amplifies it. 
And I would, I personally would much rather have that, which has been gifted to me through the experience of medicine, mm-hmm. um, than rely on that to get to that space because I can very easily do that. I can very easily go, oh yeah, I'm just going to float in the clouds today, see all these beautiful things, all that, feel airy, awesome. But my work is to come to the ground and bring forth everything I learn up here, integrated here through embodiment, and then pass it on. Right. Well, you're, you're essentially living the hero's journey of diving into the unknown and then bringing the, the bounty of your journey back to the community to share it with everyone else. It was something that I really liked about Alan Watts and his perspective on psychedelics was he, he likened it to it being a phone and the phone being the word of God when you pick it up and you listen to it. And if you sit there all day and try to listen to the word of God, then you're never going to be able to live your life because you're, you're tethered to this phone. Yeah. And wow. yeah, I find it very interesting that it, you were to experience the, the visual of the way that you think that's something that I've heard from other people that have tried psychedelics before and that they, they actually see and understand the way they think. And that gives them a little bit more autonomy and control over their own inner being. Mm -hmm. And so I find, I find that very interesting. Mm -hmm. But by the way, I need to uh, not pause, but this book right here, this is really interesting. Have you read this? I feel like you have. Oh, I've seen that so many times. I haven't read it though. By no fluke, it was just sitting there. I had no idea. I honestly had no idea, but Mm -hmm. it just called to me. But it's, you know, Ram Dass and um, everything you're saying, I have read in this book this week. So it's just, I just feel like, I just need to share that. That's awesome. uh, uh, Remember, be here now um, from the Hanuman Foundation. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, Ramdas was one of the, I think that outside of Leary and McKenna, he was one of the people that made the spiritual awakening a little bit more, he gave more nuance to it, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that he did that in a similar way to your discussing where you hear it, you you hear the call, you pick up the phone and then you put it down and then you go and try to find it through other ways. And a thing that I like what you said was having the understanding that it's there gives you more ability to reach out to it through other means and i do think that psychedelics are rather brute force means of that that type of spiritual experience it's a religious experience really and i think that people like people experience it through meditation people experience it through prayer and all of these other means so it seems to be hardwired deep within us and it's not something that's it's, it's far from trivial Mm-hmm. It's something that's really deep. Yeah, it's something that can't even be explained, only felt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's beautiful. I, I want to understand a little bit more about you in the sense of how you would define yourself. And the last time that we talked, you described yourself as love, similar to that girl. Mm-hmm. And, well, she was strength, and then love was the injection for that love, or love was injection for the strength. And, do you still define yourself in that way? And can you, can you kind of give me a, a rationale for why you started to take on that perspective of not defining yourself as something transient, rather something that is solidified within you and something that you can embody on a both spiritual and daily basis? Mm-hmm. So 
the quick answer would be no. Um, I define myself as nothing, therefore I am love. Um, love it. Tell me so about it. The, the big thing I've learned is, is, like I said, it's like if I try to be me, my, it's like my, my purest spirit is sitting in the background going, okay, what about me? And my purest, my purest spirit is, lo is love. So when I am fully present, my, my purest spirit steps in and goes, all right, who are we giving to? Who are we loving? Mm -hmm. And something I've learned so powerfully in the past year is the identities mean absolutely nothing. Like absolutely nothing. It makes our mind feel good. It makes our ego feel good. But underneath it all, we are all multidimensional beings. And the way I have experienced this is all of a sudden I became an artist, right? That label mm -hmm. of an artist through expressing my creation onto a canvas. Um, I started writing and singing songs for the first time in my life. So I could call myself a musician now, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, but this is the thing is it's not about that. I'm not doing it so that I could be called an artist. Like I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm <clears throat> looking at all these things as vehicles of light. So the more I let go of who I think I'm supposed to be, the more I allow that light to come through. And there's been so many times, um, my friend, my friend and I here in Victoria, we're very like loud when we're in public mm -hmm. and there's been this thing. It's so cool. Cause I don't know any, any other people here. So I could be myself. But there's always been this thing where I'm like, oh, are we being too loud? Because Vince is a guy who behaves and Vince is a guy who is a good boy and, you know, like all these things. And I'm breaking through that now to be like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to be myself. And if it triggers someone, it triggers someone. But what it's been doing is it's been attracting the most beautiful people. And mm -hmm. it attracts the most beautiful experiences because there's going to be 10 people who sit there and judge you. But there's that one who's like, yo, you're my kind of people. And it's light finding light, you know? And yeah. Um, but what I've learned is the more I go, even I found, even when I, I look back at that, that exercise, it's beautiful to see, like, we're all, the, everybody's answer was always a branch of love, which was really beautiful, mm -hmm. but it was where they were at in their journey. And that's where I was at my journey is I was like, I'm love, I'm love, but not realizing that when I'm nothing, it just comes, the, the love is the natural byproduct. Mm -hmm. and that's been that's been a journey for me and my ego alone because it's like well i spent four years building this whole program and you know like there's this whole thing and you know realizing that like i i i would hope that i brought people to where they were at and even if they disagreed with the exercise if they whatever that's where they were at and so i can't you know fault myself for that um but where I'm at now is I'm, I'm nothing but light and like, sorry, I'm nothing. Therefore I am light because, and anytime I try to be something, I'm not light. That's the, that's the key, the work for me. Mm -hmm. How oh, do no, you I'm not the, go sorry, ahead. You, no, you finished that thought. I was just going to say like, Oh no, I'm not the guy who dances. Therefore I can't dance. It's like, well then you're, you're blocking a way of light coming through you. Mm -hmm. Me. Sorry. You can say you, that's fine. I, I use that often. Um, how do you, 
how do you practice that? How is that something that you work your way into? Because I understand the difficulty of putting yourself out there and there's a, there's an anxiety to it and, and rightfully so to some extent we have to be, we're, we're social beings. So if we do stuff that's a little bit too crazy, we're frowned upon. And so we have to find that, that optimum balance. And I think that something that you talked about of finding the people that are willing to encourage you to be yourself, encourage you to be as mischievous as possible. It's a, it's a Zen concept that I really like of control where to, if you're trying to control a herd of cattle, you actually, you don't put the cattle into corrals. You don't put them into little cages. You give them a field. You take that, you take that location that would have been a corral, a barn, and instead you turn that into a field. And in that sense, you have a broader control of the cows, but they're controlling themselves within it. Mm. I, I, lo I love that you started with anxiety and then went to control because what I believe is anxiety is worry about the future, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the opposite of control is trust. Right, yeah. And a, and, a deep, and a very deep sense of trust is faith. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's just it. And what I've learned is in those situations, do I have the faith that if I'm willing to step out and ask a stranger a random question, that I will be held in, in the response, that I will be held by rejection, that I will be held in all these things. And that's, you know, what's so beautiful is those are the moments that lead me to the people that best reflect my life and my mm -hmm. truth. And so what I would say is, number one, understanding that the, the, the anxiety comes from the control of the future, right? It's the right. Wor worry about, okay, well, okay, then if this happens, then this happens, and then this happens, and I still have this. So this isn't like, I'm not sitting here going, I got rid of it, guys. There was a pill I'm done in 30 days, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's the practice of, okay, yes, and I'm going to try it anyways. Because the more we take aligned action in that track of faith, the more we are rewarded with beings of truth who are on similar paths. And I noticed this. So me and my friend were walking down the street. And like I said, we're super loud. We're like, and it's not, it's not too, it's not loud in a way where it's like, we just want people to know that we're loud. It's like, we're just ourselves. And we're like dancing in the middle of the street. We're like, you know, compliment, like whatever, just whatever comes out of us. And there was a day where like, everyone was just looking at us weird. Like there were, there were probably, I could probably count 30 people who would just look at us like, like this. And we kept looking at each other, what's going on today? Like, I have no idea. And then all of a sudden we take a seat to eat and right beside us is this man and his son, the most beautiful souls we met since we've been out here. And we actually hung out with them yesterday, which is awesome. But we had this like three hour conversation with this man and his son. And it was the most beautiful conversation. Like it, it was like that the day of rejection led us to this moment. Mm -hmm. And it's that, it's funny because even if that moment doesn't happen, the true test of faith is, do you still trust? Do mm -hmm. you still have faith? Because we, it's almost like um, we're so, I am so wrapped up with conditional love that I go, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you until I'm not going to trust you anymore because you didn't give me what I wanted. Right. But it always manifests in ways that we don't expect. And I, I would say to people, practice 
the faith that you will always be held regardless of the outcome. And those, those intuitive thoughts you have in the grocery store of like, I want to approach that person and just say, Hey, I love your pants. Oh, you also love bananas. Oh my gosh. I find them so appealing, you know? <laughs> and, um, but knowing that you may be rejected, knowing that you may be accepted, it doesn't matter, but being courageous enough to distribute your light in that fraction of a second. Because you know, how many crazy connections have you made in your life just from saying one thing? Oh yeah, tons. The majority of the great experiences I've had are built off of taking that leap. Yes. And so it's like, I think that that would be the question is, are we willing to be courageous enough to ask for what we want, share what's coming through? Because again, we all have those thoughts, right? We all have those things that it's like, Hey, I should hold the door open for this person. No, that would look weird. It looks like I'm trying too hard. Okay, I won't do it. But if you just do it, right, there's beautiful things that happen. Um, and I think what I love so much about, about that is, like we were talking about the currency earlier, is like everyone has access to that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has that, those intuitive thoughts. Everyone has those, um, that ability to give, the ability to communicate. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. I like that. I, I started to hold doors for people regardless of how far away they were. Yeah. And there's, there's one really big corridor at TRU going into the gym and it's huge. It's like 30 feet. And I would see someone, I'd be getting to the door as they were just entering the corridor and I would open it and stand off to the side and just stare at them the entire time. And they would slowly pick up into a faster walk and then into a jog and then they'd be running and then they'd come in and then we'd have a laugh about it. And that was a way that I was able to initiate a communication with people. I, I think that it's an interesting story that you share about the man and his kid and the, what led up to that. Because I do think that people are, in some sense, not, not necessarily frightened. I'm not sure what the perfect word would be, but I'm sure we could find it. But the experience of beauty for a lot of people is overwhelming to see other people dance, to see other people sing. All of these are, are beautiful experiences to see art. It's very overwhelming for a lot of people. And so mm-hmm. I understand the reluctance of lots of people to dive into that. But as you said, it's that leap of faith okay. and it's the, I, I actually just finished a book by CS Lewis called the problem of pain. And in this book, he's trying to deconflate the idea of sacrifice and suffering. I think that's what he's doing. I don't know if he's actually doing that explicitly, but I I think implicitly he was trying to do that. And he's trying to dissect them from needless suffering into suffering as a sacrifice for the future. Mm -hmm. And by sacrificing something in the moment, you're actually investing yourself into the future. And it seems like you've experienced that through your willingness to be unapologetically yourself is that you're sacrificing maybe the momentary glances from people that disapprove of what you're doing and you're letting that manifest later on in the people that you truly find love with. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I will also say to anyone listening, I'm also apologetically myself a lot of the time too. (laughs) So I just need to share that it's not, it's tough not to be. No, absolutely. It's a, of course it's something that, it, it, like it's something that we just have to do as as human beings. A lot of the time, you do have to, and I think that's a part of working with like doing shadow work is acknowledging 
the parts of yourself that maybe you're not as a as big of a fan of and changing that and molding it into your ideal self you're moving from no i wouldn't say you're moving from uh, a shadow version of yourself into a more light version i think that would be um spiritual a very spiritual way to put it but i i think mm -hmm. that you're taking parts of yourself that you think you could integrate into a more whole and fulfilled being mm -hmm. and i think that a part of that is being apologetically yourself you have to understand mm -hmm. what your what your shortcomings are and the places that maybe you could be a little bit better and from there you do move towards someone that you would like a little bit more it's an ideal where we're essentially impersonating a version of ourselves that we would look up to in the moment i love that i love that and yeah that's the i believe that's what magic is is turning that dark and putting it bringing it to light mm -hmm. and and i think that's um i think that's what we're here to do mm -hmm. you know and and um i brought this up last week on this call of like the darkness in the world is a manifestation of the internal darkness that we the 7.4 billion of us carry and i said like you know the the consciousness of the planet is the is the, the byproduct of the consciousness of all the humans living on it so like there are parts of my subconscious that are burning there are parts of my subconscious that are hungry there are parts of my subconscious that you know i i literally feed way too much you know and it's look at the planet the exact same way you know there's parts of myself that i've neglected there's parts of the world that we're neglecting right now you know, like it's, it's, it's all a byproduct of our internal world. And the more we can transmute our own darkness into light, the more it brings up the awareness of what's happening in the world. I don't believe it can work the other way. I, I, you know, it's like, we're all fighting for people to see this thing, but people can't see what they can't feel. Energetically, you know, I, I don't believe that it's kind of like, you know, when I was thinking about um, what finally came to the surface this year with racism, and I, I, I learned like from an energetic standpoint, if, if I'm as a white male, if I'm saying all the right things, but I haven't done the healing to truly understand why I, I said those things in the first place, then energetically it's, it's empty. I'm not actually changing the world. But if I'm willing to look at my own healing while saying the right things, that's where it's, it's like th there's change there. And there's a deeper understanding as to why is this happening in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, you know, I think as a, you know, going back to, to labels, we need to acknowledge the, the labels that we've created in this world that had separated us. And we can't just skip over them now that we've created them and there's all those issues because of them. Because that's the, the, the bypassing, right? And it's, you know, because we, we, we heard a lot of it at, while that was all happening of love and light, love and light. But light is truth. Light isn't being good all the time. Light is harsh truth. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not willing to look at my own harsh truths, I can't acknowledge the harsh, harsh truths that are out here. I can't. And until I do, they're just going to keep triggering me, you know? And, and again, as a, as a white male, I'll, I'll say it again. It's like, that's, that's my responsibility. Cause I carry, like, think of in our ancestry, like think of the, the amount of racism that has been passed down. And 
if we don't acknowledge that we can't heal it it's the same thing within our own subconscious i'm not just gonna be like oh i love myself i'm good everything's fine i'm, I'm healed you know yeah it's the same thing in the world like we can't unite unless we we acknowledge the divide we can't mm -hmm. and that's why I, I think it's it's really important that we all look at ourselves and in this time of this this pandemic i i hope that the i mean i can't even hope like it's just i i i wonder what the world could be like if we all looked at ourselves and you know i i i see so many structures crumbling and a lot of people believing it's bad and when i talk about structures i mean certain things like the school system and you know professional sports and like there's certain mm -hmm. leagues that are and I also have always had this deep knowing that if we all let go of everything, the truth will literally present itself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying that certain things that are, you know, yeah, I'm not justifying everything that's happening right now. I don't want to like, this isn't a blanket statement, but from a, a, a truth perspective, when we hang on, like, you know, like when we hang on to parts of ourselves, we're neglecting the truth and the light mm. to come through us. And I think that's what's happening in the world right now. And, and I really hope that um, we all take time to look at ourselves. Yeah, that does seem to be the place where it all starts at the individual level, which I think is very frustrating for people to hear because how, how do you make global change at an individual level? Mm. And it sounds like such a daunting task, but it seems to be the only thing that actually works. And that was a, a quote that I heard the other day that I really liked was to, to get your house in order is actually to get your passions in order, mm -hmm. to understand what your priorities are and to develop a more complete understanding of yourself so that you can then enact that understanding onto the world. You have to really understand who you are and work through your own shadow and through your own self before you're able to impose that onto other people. Sim similar to what we were talking about earlier with the fruit you have to have your own fruit and enough of it before you start giving it to other people mm -hmm. and one thing that i'm not sure when you and i talked about this i'm not sure when you and i actually met maybe it was around 2017 maybe around 2018 yep. something that i thought that you had a very you understood it very well and it was you had gone through something and then any time that 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 thought came to mind you instinctively went for your phone and it was something that you did consistently but it was something that you acknowledged and i thought that that was very admirable was your ability to acknowledge something and understand what you were doing and why you were doing it and in that way that was your way of initiating change still happens yeah <laughs> i think it happens to everyone i think it's a yeah. it's an easy out and but i think that 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 first step of realization is you mentioned it was that's the that's the first step towards that is this is what i do when i'm sad this yeah. is what i do when i'm feeling anxious this is what i do when i'm feeling depressed and then trying to extract those things from one another and say what is this thing that i'm reaching for what is that doing to me mm -hmm. and what is this trying to tell me because i i don't think that depression and anxiety are psychological disorders i think they're warning signs I think it's a it's a big sign that says, okay, you're becoming depressed. This is another thing that I talked pretty in depth about in the lecture that I gave on 
I, the lecture was called Ego is the Ally, and it was uh, trying to develop a further understanding of personal development and using a bunch of different uh, religious and spiritual and neuropsychological, all of these, taking from all these different fields and throwing them all together and saying, how do we develop as people? And so another part of that painting I was referencing earlier is the the very bottom is hell. And in Buddhism, there are 18 hells. So nine of them are fire and nine of them are ice. So I think the difference between those are anxiety and depression. And the feeling of depression, when you start to get cold, it means that you have to move. You have to get up and do something and move around. And then with anxiety, I think that it's more of a as you were talking about, it's something that you have to really dive into. Anxiety is something that tells you what could go wrong. And I experienced that quite a bit. I'm a, uh, I'm a negative visualizer. I negative visualize all the time and I can't really ever stop. I think it's something I got from my mom. She, when she was a kid, she used to, she would practice doing things with her feet in case she ever lost her arms. Oh. That was the extent of negative visualization. I do a lot of stuff with my left hand in case I have a stroke and lose the, the motor function of the right side of my body. Oh. Yeah, that's just a, that's something that's fun to live with. But it's but it, it really does become fun at some extent because I, I get to, understand all of the things that potentially could be if things go absolutely awry, mm -hmm. and so I'm always a little bit prepared for that situation. So I'm never I'm never exactly thrown through a loop when things hit the fan. But I think a part of that anxiety is understanding what could go wrong and then pushing through it. Anxiety is something that you have to, it's a dance, right? It's, it's not something that you're beating it down and fighting with it. It's something that you dance with and you say, well, this makes me anxious. Going and talking to this girl, that makes me, that, increase, that elevates my heart rate. My palms are sweating. I have really clammy hands personally, but I, oh, I have to shake this person's hand. I have clammy hands. Now they're going to get clammier. It's something that you have to figure out how to wipe your hands off and just shake the hand. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for me, and for me, like as a kid, my safe place was in my mind. Mm -hmm. So anytime there was a moment that you know was unfavorable, uh, I would run to my room, and I would just sit in my mind, and I would just like that was my safe place, and it was like, and, but what it did was like kept me away from my heart. You know, so that visualization, you know, like as mm -hmm. powerful as it is, it's like as above, so below, you know, like it's like, it has a beautiful, it's a double-edged sword. It has a beautiful edge up here, but it also can hurt you down here. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting. And I think the important thing is, and as you know, this is to be the awareness in between it, mm -hmm. you know, um, so yeah, it's beautiful. Do you want to, do you want to stop there? Yeah, for sure. That seems like a. A reasonable place to end mm -hmm. all right man thanks a ton for coming on that was great of course, yeah. what a beautiful conversation i really appreciate your time thanks for making that for me it's been a yeah, of course it's been a few months in the making and i'm glad that we yeah, were yeah. able to sit down and do it I, I wouldn't have been able to do it right away i was oh, i was in it i was really in it and i still am but yeah, yeah you can't stop the deep work sometimes you just got to dive in and put some blinders on <laughs>